Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the last episode of the podcast before we take a short break for the month of August, be back in September, on being in your wholeness, trauma healing, and creating spaciousness with Stevie Lee. Stevie uses they, she pronouns, and they're a somatic practitioner, writer, mystic, and caretaker in many forms. In service to body autonomy and literacy, they help people find their way back to themselves. They support people in finding what they truly need in times of transition, like birth, sexual revolution, trauma healing, death, and that's what guides them in their work. Their work explores the intersections of somatics, mystic studies, trauma healing, and community care. And I've been connected with Stevie on Instagram for quite a while, so I really loved getting the opportunity to sit down and talk with them about all things them and their work and trauma healing and wholeness and it's just a really um, varied and deep conversation we get into of course Stevie's healing journey we talk about slowing down and trauma our critical inner voices and parts of ourselves integrating our heads and our bodies <laughs> we talk about how you're fine just as you are about growing around our trauma not getting rid of it we unpack somatics and how stevie works with somatics and spirituality for trauma healing we talk about stevie's journey with queerness what is the self what are ourselves accessing more expansiveness hang-ups around wellness world capitalism, the trauma of capitalism, the empress archetype and pleasure, and growing our awareness of pleasure. One of my favorite topics to talk about, so that's what we round out this episode with. And on that note, I wanted to let you know what I've been telling you for a few weeks. What is coming is here, Pleasure Magic. It is a tender, embodied journey into deeper pleasure, and it's open for registration today. I put the link in the description if you want to check it out. I'm just going to share a little about it here before we get into this episode. Um... When I think about how I grew up with all of the purity culture, all of the religion, and also just general overarching patriarchy and capitalism, etc, etc, I honestly feel like it's a fucking miracle that I've woven so much pleasure into my life. Um, And, you know, it's not actually a miracle. It's years and years and years of deprogramming and unpacking and being supported and being held and embodiment and grieving and feeling ashamed. There's like so much that's gone into and continues to go into my work with pleasure and pleasure magic is here to support you on that journey if you're on that journey too or if you want to be. So together we'll go on a pleasure self-discovery journey where you'll be supported in connecting with your unique pleasure compass and orienting towards it. My intention is to help you connect with the parts of you that are holding shame and guilt around pleasure and to feel and shed and share and open. So it's really for the human who wants to weave more pleasure into their life to get support in beginning or continuing a journey of healing around pleasure, shame, unlearning harmful beliefs around pleasure, feeling worthy of pleasure, 
having access to a deeper connection to your power through rooting into pleasure and learning to trust desire as an important compass for a fulfilling life and a life that's authentic to you that's been such an important part of the work for me so i'm really excited to do some somatic and unpacking work around desire with you all um and this class is also specifically created with people who are coming from purity culture backgrounds in mind and in heart um so if that's you welcome <laughs> welcome this is for you um and just to unpack a little bit around what the class actually is, so it's a four-week live journey. We're going to gather for class on Zoom once a week. It's Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, starting August 10th. Um, and each class consists of breathwork for embodied somatic healing around pleasure, some journaling prompts to unpack each topic at a conscious level, um, to unravel threads and draw patterns and make connections, and open facilitated discussion where we're all going to connect and share around that week's topic um community is so powerful and you're not alone in struggling with pleasure and i'm not like an expert person who has all your answers um we all have so much wisdom to share so this part of each class is where we get to unpack together and witness each other and just be um in community and connection and so the topics each week are touching shame, deepening presence, honoring desire, and reclaiming pleasure. And each week you also get a couple other things, a weekly pleasure invitation and a ritual and a meditation related to that week's topic. So if you want some support in reclaiming pleasure and working to experience more of the magic of pleasure in your life with less shame and less guilt i would invite you to check out the link in the description and maybe join us i think carving access carving deeper access to pleasure can help us actually experience our lives more and i found it's it's that and also shifting my relationship with my body and creating deeper resilience to support me through the really big hard times um and also feeling more alive feeling more like i'm actually living um, and we're going to be unpacking pleasure in a really expansive, trauma-informed, inclusive way that includes sex and sexuality, but is not at all limited to those things in any way. Pleasure is so much more expansive than just that. Um, but of course, that can be part of it too, if that's part of your life and your journey. So I'm going to stop talking about this now. The link is in the description. Check it out. Send me a note, email, DM, whatever you got. Um, if you have questions, there's also scholarships available um full and partial so if you need it's available and um hope to see you in class here is my conversation with stevie lee you probably know what i want to ask you um i love to start the show by hearing about your journey so i'd love to hear a bit about your healing journey and also how you came to be doing the somatic work that you're doing now yeah totally um i was thinking about this earlier today and thinking about how i wanted to start, you know, all of us have so many stories. All of us have so many different threads that we can weave together as we tell a story. Mm. And I think for, for this purpose, I might want to just start at when I started doing birth work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been living in Los Angeles and I was an actor and musician and working in restaurants and it was a whole lot of fun and it was really hard. And there was a lot of feeling like art absolutely has the ability and capacity to change the world, 
But what I was doing, it didn't feel like it was quite there yet. And I felt this call to do something more, something a little bit more intrapersonal and something that was really going to affect the people that I was working with. Mm-hmm. And birth work just kind of fell into my lap. And it was this, it was this beautiful, and I've been interested in bodies and reproductive work. A lot of my acting really had to do with how do bodies move? How do different people inhabit their bodies? And so birth work came along and it was just this really gorgeous opportunity to see the marvels of the human body and also see people in their most intimate moments and some of them in partnership. It was so beautiful to see these these snapshots of life, one of one of the biggest moments that you can have, this intense transition to be able to be there and holding people through that was really formative for me. And this was back, I started that back in um, 2015. And that, that really kind of shifted something in me that made me feel like, oh, this working with bodies, this is in whatever capacity. I don't know if I'm going to do birth work forever, but I know that I want to be with people in this way somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was beautiful. And, and around that time too, I started really joining communities here in Los Angeles that were also spiritually inclined, met a bunch of witches that I really enjoyed, started hosting new moon and full moon circles. And eventually that turned into opening my collective Hawker house, mm-hmm. which I no longer have because I was doing Hawker house and birth work. And it was great until it was too much. It was great until, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was great until that burnout happened. And it happened in a really big way. I just didn't have the capacity to hold everything that I was doing. So I had to, and it was a hard decision to make. I had to close down my collective. I had to step away from birth work. It really felt, I felt this call, sort of an internal call, like, babe, you got to slow down. You got, you got to slow mm-hmm. down. And in that slowing down, it's sort of like once I gave my body permission to rest a little bit, suddenly all of these unprocessed traumas started coming up for me. And that manifested, yeah, manifested in a lot of different ways. Some of them were physical. Some of them were very emotional. And it felt like, okay, I guess this is the thing that I need to focus on. And in true Stevie fashion, I was like, I'm going to figure it out on my own <laughs> and did a lot I got of it. Yeah, totally. Um, I have this, I have this archetype that I, that I work with within myself and I work with archetypes with them, other people as well with clients and this archetype around this time is when I figured out like, Oh, I've got this piece of me and I named them scrappy Stevie. There's this scrappy Stevie. That's like, I can do it. I can push through And, you know, they're a survivor. They know how to survive. They know how to get shit done. And I so appreciate them for that. But it was time to not have them driving all the time. Mm. It was time for them to not be at the very forefront all the time. And so as I kind of sat back, there was this, all this trauma resurfacing and Scrappy Stevie certainly had some things to say about like, you can do it on your own. You know, <laughs> I've got one of those too. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have a name though, but I love that. <laughs> Maybe we can find one together. Yeah. <laughs> I find that the naming of it makes it easier for myself to identify when that part of me is really present. Mm. So giving them a name 
and being like, oh yeah, here you are again is super helpful for me. <laughs> As you're saying this, I feel like mine's name is Joan. <laughs> Joan. Yeah. Okay. It feels so funny, but Joan just came right up. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It sounds like they really let you know. Yeah. I'm Joan. I'm here and I'm Joan. Okay. All right. I guess I never asked before. Was. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, but you were saying, (laughs) yeah. So just, you know, all of this, all of this stuff coming up and me feeling like I needed to study. This is when I started studying somatics in particular, Mm -hmm. and I was studying, uh, somatic sex ed. I was really interested in this, you know, these parts of our bodies, these parts of our bodies, these generative and reproductive parts of our bodies. That was really interesting to me. And part of the trauma that I was working through was sexual trauma. So I started studying and it was amazing to be studying this thing, reading every book I could get my hands on, but it wasn't healing anything with me. I was getting a lot of like information, but I was still dealing with my own stuff. And that's, that's when I, I kind of came to a point where I was like, I need, I need help. I can't scrappy Stevie's done a lot and they can hold a lot, but not this. Yeah. And that's when I saw my therapist who I still work with. Um, and she's a somatic therapist and I walked into her and I'd been to therapy a couple of times before, but it just never felt like a resonant fit. It felt like, I don't trust that this person can hold everything that I need to bring to the table. And also I think that when we are spiritual or mystical people, we wonder if we can bring that part of ourselves into a therapy room. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be okay for me to talk about all the people I talk to? Is it okay for me to talk about how I was sitting with my ancestors last night? Or am I going to be judged in this space? So I walk into her office and I was so nervous, holding so much. I feel so much uh, compassion towards that past self. I was really, really holding. And I walked in and she just had this presence and this attunement and I immediately started like crying mm. and I cried and I cried and she didn't say a word. She gestured to the couch. I sat down. She sat across from me and she just held it. She just held that space. And I cried for like 40 minutes. I couldn't stop. It really needed to come out in a place where I felt like someone could hold it. And after I'd gotten to a place where I was like, okay, I think, I think I can speak now stopped crying. And she looked at me and she said, I'm interested in working with you if you're interested. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. Yes. All of that. There was so much nonverbal communication happening between the two of us, Mm -hmm. which really let my body know this is a place where you can let go of some of that holding that's been here for you. So I started working with her and that really helps to not only, not only heal the stuff, you know, heal, heal sounds like a sort of, um, you know, I'm healed like a finite thing. And it's, it's not, we're always sort of dealing with the stuff that we have, Mm -hmm. but working with her really gave me an ability to learn how to hold it in a manageable way and also recognize it. And with that, I sort of was like, okay, so I still am really interested in somatics and somatic sex ed, but I think I want to work with trauma. I think I want to work with trauma. I think that that's been such a big factor in my life and seeing the shifts that can happen when it's held in the right kind of context are incredible. 
Yeah. Yeah. So started studying more, eventually did open up my practice. Um, prior to doing that, though, I did go to Ireland on a trip uh, for some ancestral healing. And uh, well, it was more of a, it was more of a training, I suppose. Um, but I went to that and had an experience with an out of control healer. And I know you know about that story a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that was hard and difficult. But the really cool thing that came out of that process was that I was able to recognize how much I've shifted how much I changed in the past. If something traumatic happened to me, if something happened to me or my body, me and my body that should not have happened, I would act like it didn't happen or try to push it as far away as possible. Move on. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's wisdom in that. Sometimes there's a lot of wisdom in backing off of it because it's too much to hold. Yeah. And then with this experience, I noticed, wait, I have the capacity. This isn't easy, certainly, but I have the capacity now after working with my own trauma and really learning about somatics and the body and trauma, I can, I can do this. I can process this. And not only that, but I can lend my voice to this. Yeah. And as I did that, it felt really good to recognize how much work I'd done with myself and how much sort of, um, how much more spacious I'd become. Mm. And then that too gave me this sort of like, yeah, it's okay for me to use my voice. It's okay for me to be vocal and to do what I do in the world and do it, do it loudly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And after, after writing about that experience, I'd been, I'd been working in my practice for a couple of months. I wrote that piece in um, the summer of 2020 And after that is when I got like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. And not only do I want to do somatics and work with trauma, but I really want to weave in everything else that I was doing with my collective, all these things that I've been doing with, with the moon, with plants, with ancestors. I want my work to have a place for all of that. And I want the people I work with to feel like they can bring all of that, all the cells, all the stuff <laughs> and, and be in that together. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the arc. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. For sharing the arc with us. Totally. Uh, what a journey. It's feels really beautiful to hear you reflecting on all of that. And with mm-hmm. such helpful detail too. what you shared about, like falling apart and having that big cry in your somatic therapist's office about like that safe container that they were creating for you to actually sink into and be able to feel that resonates so deeply Mm. and how too you were sharing about how so much unprocessed trauma was coming up through when you started to like slow down Both of those ideas feel so resonant for me. I was just talking with my own therapist, who's also a somatic therapist the Uh other day about how in this relationship with my partner that I'm in now, it's making me realize how much unprocessed trauma I still actually have because I feel so held by them and they feel like such a safe and connected person to that with and it's mm-hmm. surprising me still and I like know my stuff like I know what yeah. I have and it's still surprising me so much like oh wow I finally feel safe enough to actually let this experience 
process through my body with you, Mm -hmm. like, because you're here and your body and your words are communicating that to me. And the connection we have is communicating that to me. And it's coming up. (laughs) I bet. I bet. I feel like when we, when we do get into that, that healthy relationship and the way that you're talking about the way that your partner and you relate to each other, you know, and in that slowing down, I think that a lot of the times our bodies start to recognize like, wait, I haven't had this before. Mm -hmm. Here's a time that I haven't had this. And here's a time that I haven't had, wait a second. So there's all these, (laughs) there's all these experiences that come up that sort of want our attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said too, about how you were like taking in all this information and thinking that's healing, but it's like, Honey, no. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's like we do that. I I have done yeah. that so much. Like I think because I'm learning something, or even because I'm like identifying one of my own patterns or learning something about making a connection about like trauma or my own history. I think that I'm like healing something, yeah. but it's like in my body is still holding. Yeah. Like it's not enough to just know or like take in the information. It's like there's yeah. a layer that's needed. Yeah. And we really need to be able to integrate. I mean, we've all been really mm-hmm. taught to be very uh, uh, head head first, linear thinking creatures. And mm-hmm. we've been taught societally that that's, that's the valued way to be in life. Yeah. And the thing is, we need to, there's nothing wrong with being up here in your head, but we, got to, we have to integrate it. It's got to be an integrative experience with our bodies. And that feels like a really huge part of trauma work. You can't really think your way out of it. Right. I think about like what you're saying is related to like the polyvagal theory and the idea that it's not that we need to be in like that ventral vagal state all the time. That's never Mm going to happen. And that's Mm -hmm. not the goal of working with the nervous system, but it's that we have access and flow between those states. Yes. And it feels like the same thing with being in the head, being in the body. It's like not about one or the other, but having access to flow between them and have, yeah, that yeah. integration of both. So we don't get stuck in one place. Totally. Yeah. And and being able to have the, I love everything you're saying, uh, and being able to have the sort of awareness of, oh, I think that I can I can feel in my body that maybe I'm here now. Mm -hmm. This is where I am. Ooh, okay. I might need to use a tool in order to get to that place where I feel connected to myself and connected to the world around me. And, and, you know, as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking about how there is such a, ah, there's such a, uh, there's such pressure in the sort of spiritual and wellness and like sort of health world to be regulated all the time. (laughs) Who are these people who are regulated all the time? What the fuck is that? That doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. And, and not only is that unattainable, but that's also more dominance. So many of us are dealing with, I mean, all of us who live here in America, here on Turtle Island, all of us are living under systems of oppression. And so then to like, dominate our own bodies and be like, you're going to be regulated all the time. It's like, whoa, let's back up. (laughs) Yeah. It's just another thing that's not possible. It's another thing to put pressure on ourselves. So it's another like good or bad thing to try and live up to and be. And it's just like, that's not the point of healing to me is like finding new things that I have to be all the time or should be. That's not... That's not it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I love you bringing up that binary of like good or bad. 
Mm-hmm. Am I in a good state or a bad state? And make sure that I'm always in the good state. And like, there's no good or bad. It all just is. I believe that so, so deeply. It's all neutral. It's like we put these judgments on them when we think about how things should be or how we might desire them to be and how that there's a gap between how they are and how we might want them to be. And we make that mean something because of, you know, stories that we have, stories that we we have been given and internalized. And it's like, it's actually just fine. Like however you are is actually just fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just like mm-hmm. want that, want that out there. I want everyone to know it. It's like, there is nothing wrong with how you how you are and like you were saying like bringing in tools to support yourself is so wonderful and great um but it's not bad to be triggered or to be having a comfortable experience in your body like those are things to honor and support and work with absolutely and you know there's there's the rigidity in that that good and bad and that it doesn't allow us to become more spacious creatures. It doesn't allow us to be more expansive. Mm -hmm. And when we are able to accept, like there's no good and bad, you're fine. We're all fine exactly as we are. There is more opportunity for expansiveness. And when I say expansiveness, I don't mean like um, uh, success or, or I just mean a state of feeling open. Yeah. And, and, and sort of being in your wholeness, all parts of it. Mm -hmm. And I love that word spaciousness too. Like I actually, I have a card above my desk. It says trust spaciousness. And that word just like, I feel it in my body, how good that feels. And yeah, I think we can create so much more of that spaciousness and expansiveness when we let ourselves be whole. And maybe you've seen this uh, graphic going around on Instagram a few weeks ago where it was talking about grief and it was like a huge ball of grief. And it was like the post was saying like, maybe, you know, the point isn't to shrink the grief, but we grow around it and it shows. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. And then the grief hadn't actually changed size really, but there was like so much more space around it. Yeah. And that feels so true for so many things. And I think about that. I've been thinking about that idea a lot of how yeah. like it was trauma too, especially like we're creating more space around. Like, I don't think anything I feel has actually gone away or like, it's still there. It's still part of my experience and my body and my story, but I am expanding and growing and making more space around it and holding it too and becoming more whole through that. Love that. Love that imagery too. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Really good image. I really appreciated seeing that. (laughs) Yeah. That might be a, that might be a thing to put on the wall too. Yeah. Love (laughs) that. (laughs) Need that on the wall right next to trusting spaciousness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to hear more about how you, you're talking about how you work with all of these different ideas and like working with the moon and working with ancestors and also with somatics and how all of those things like support working with trauma and working with our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. You know, the the first thing that comes up for me when you ask that question is just sort of like breaking down like what is somatics a little bit. Um, Somatics, you know, what when we talk about that word, the root of that word is of the body, of the body and its wholeness. And so when we're practicing somatics, we're really trying to make room for the idea and the truth 
that our bodies don't exist in a vacuum, that our bodies are part of our, it's, it's biology and physiology and psychology and emotions and uh, it's so many things rather than just, I've got my brain and I've got my body. <laughs> yeah. So it's really trying to make sure that we are bringing an awareness of all of these things into play. And I feel like in the somatic world right now, there are a lot of very sort of um, clinical applications and a lot of kind of like what we were just talking about. This is a tool for this thing, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> but the thing is like somatics, somatics, all of our ancestors had body-based practices that were infused into their daily life. They didn't need a term for somatics because it was just woven into their daily existence. Mm -hmm. And then colonization happened. And many of us lost touch with those original ancestors, either because our ancestors moved by choice or were forcibly removed from their culture of origin. And because of this, around the, um, I think it was the 70s, is when there was this kind of like, resurgence, a lot of, a lot of sort of like intellectuals were kind of like, wait a second, we're missing something culturally here. Hold on. And so they really sort of draw from East, East Asia and South Asia and practices like, you know, Buddhism and Taoism and Afro-Caribbean dance. And all of these things kind of started to form what we now call somatics today in the West. Mm we're borrowing from a lot of other lineages. And I feel like it's really important borrowing and acknowledging is one thing and totally skipping over the origins of why do we need somatics? Where does this come from? What is this thing that we're talking about right now? That's when it becomes appropriative and that's when it becomes really grabby. So as, and I'm going to speak now as a, as a white person on Turtle Island, for me, somatics is a practice of learning about the body through practices from other cultures, as well as trying to figure out, okay, from my lineage, who did my, what did my ancestors do? What did they practice? What were their body-based practices? And how can I incorporate that into my personal somatic practice? And a lot of that has to do with moon reverence and working with plants. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for each individual client that I work with, that looks different for everybody. You know, we have to be aware of our, um, of our and our client's kind of social location, like how, how they're oriented in the world. What kind of body are they in? What's the economic background? How are they racially located? What's their gender expression? What's their gender orientation? All of these things come into play rather than just this like individual uh, sort of cold. It feels very cold. It's like this like individual healing. The thing is when we, when we zoom out a little bit, we make room for a more, more collective liberation. And we understand that we are all in this together, but coming from different points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That feels deeply important to talk about. And when I sort of first connected those dots around like, oh, this trauma isn't just mine and it's not just because of specific things that have happened to me, even though a lot of those specific things are connected to those systems of oppression. It's also mm -hmm. because of those systems of oppression. Yes. Um, and that feels so much less like blaming myself. Yeah. And more like blaming 
the fucked up systems of oppression, yes. which is what we should be blaming and also honoring and acknowledging our roles and parts in them. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're able to sort of see that bigger picture, that bigger umbrella picture, especially those of us who are dealing with trauma, we're able to sort of say like, oh, of course, of course, I felt that way about what happened to me. And now that I'm looking at the bigger picture, I can see that wasn't my fault. Yeah. Of course, I had a hard time working with this. Of course, I felt shame. Of course, this is hard for me. Yeah. Are you queer? Yes. Okay. I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask how that is part of your journey with queerness then working with and unpacking those ideas. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of a lot of my working with queerness, I knew from a really young age that my sexual orientation, I knew that I liked everybody. That that was just always sort of online for me from a young age. But it's not up until recently that I've started to really notice like, yeah, I, I don't identify all the way as a woman. And there are times where I feel very womanly, absolutely, but this whole construct of gender feels like the same the same systems that we're talking about. They feel really binary. They feel really oppressive. They feel like <laughs> boxes that don't allow us to be spacious. Yeah. And so, you know, it's only in the last couple of years that I've been noticing like, oh, I I don't I don't think of myself as a woman or a man. I I feel very much like I live in the liminal space. And that once I started accepting that and really looking at these over cultures and how they how they sort of dictate who you are and who you're allowed to be. Mm-hmm. That's when I was able to start really feeling into more of my wholeness. Yeah, that yeah. feels so beautiful to hear you saying and describing. I feel like I'm so much in a place in this moment where I'm really deeply unpacking through my body as well. Some of those ideas around queerness, especially in compulsory heterosexuality and like deeply, deeply internalized homophobia from like really young ages. And Mm -hmm. I can talk about that and I can read about that and I can know that. And also it's in here, like it is literally in my body. And that's a whole different thing. Like we're talking about to really feel and work with but I know that those things feel the opposite of spaciousness they feel tight and they feel hard yes exactly I wish people could see that movement you just yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like (laughs) constrictive Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, exactly and like like, that spaciousness totally and it feels really good to recognize you know when we when we take that sort of zoomed out lens you know we get to look at like, yeah, where do those, those really deeply rooted homophobic voices that are living inside of my body, where did that come from? What came before that? Who are my queer ancestors that nobody fucking talks about? Like, wait a second. There's, there's so much that we're not, that we're not looking at. And, and it's really helpful to think about our ancestry the people that we come from, not just our nuclear family that we came from, but our lineage as well as, yeah, these structures are like, no, 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 pick a box, one box. (laughs) Right. Just one, just one for you. (laughs) (laughs) As you're saying that, I'm thinking like, I think I need to give a name to the homophobic person inside of me. (laughs) Go for it. Yes, I think so. Uh huh. I got to unpack that later too. I think 
I feel like it's a he and I feel like he needs a name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd be so curious to find out, you know, not only like, yeah, what's the know. name, but like, who is he? Yeah. 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 Let me know. <laughs> keep you posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> this is kind of like an esoteric question, but I feel like I kind of want to ask you, I was okay. in doing Sangha with my partner the other night. And one of the questions that came up that we were all just talking about as a group together was like, what is your self? Like, what is the self and how does that Mm. work to you with all these different selves that we are and have? And I was talking, I think it's so interesting because I don't think there's an actual answer. It's totally fun to talk about. And for me, I was like, oh, I feel like there's this, like, it is the image of a seed. There's like this seed self inside of me that is like, Mm pure love and that's my essence Mm. and from there there are all of these selves with their different egos selves I have been selves I hold inside me and Mm. it's so funny when I start to fully identify with those selves and think that's fully me when really it's the seed and yeah I don't know I'm just curious to hear what you think about self yeah totally I would love to kind of wax about that with you um and I love I love that imagery that you gave about that seed that's that's just beautiful um for me, I think the way that I I like to think about the self is, uh, and this and this sort of ties into leaning into expansiveness and leaning into spaciousness. That there isn't any, and maybe there's a little bit of the after me in here too. Uh, mm-hmm. There isn't. I don't want to say anything definitively, but the way that I like to think about it is as if there is not a fixed self, mm-hmm. as if there is an ability to really, and this is more sort of like living liminally and having this sort of mercurial nature of dipping in and out of like, okay, which of my selves do I want to be today? Or which one am I? Am I? Sometimes, sometimes we can't be the one that we want, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of fluctuating between these states. And with that, I feel like there is an ability to, in that sort of, there's a lot of movement in it. And there's a lot of kind of travel in it. And I feel like when we do that, there's an ability to sort of channel information from our ancestors, from our lineage, from the people around us that gets to add to that sort of um, stew that's available for the selves uh, to choose from. I think that's how I feel about it in this moment. Um, (laughs) I love that you said that. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I love that you said that it's a, it's sort of an unanswerable question. And I love those. Uh, Something that I, I like to think about a lot, you know, there, there's so much pressure to kind of like have an answer for things. Mm -hmm. And I really like the idea of like, okay, what if I just, didn't need to reach for an answer and just sat in inquiry. Yeah. And just let myself sit in that and just kind of filter through. Oh, here's a possible. Hmm. Oh, here's a possible. Oh, you know, (laughs) just getting really curious. Yeah. That feels so healing to me, that ability to just sit with and be curious and to actually not know the answer and to sit with the idea that, oh, everything doesn't actually have an answer or an answer that I'll ever figure out or know. And that's okay. (laughs) It takes so much pressure off. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And we can access so much more of our imagination and our curiosity when we're not trying to figure out the right answer, the right thing and expansive again, like that word, it just feels so much more expansive. Totally. Yes. 
I feel like I want to ask, cause this feels related. You mentioned like hangups around the wellness world when we were emailing before. And I feel like that might be fun to talk about now. I think part of it too, is I see this in like wellness and spiritual world also is like, there's an answer and I have it and it, there's an answer and it's in this like Instagram graphic and like, maybe it is, but also maybe it's not. And that, yeah, that certainty and uncertainty and how that's part of these spaces too. So what's up with wellness world? What do you think? Yeah. What is up with wellness world? Yeah. It, that's a really, that's a really, you know, I'm still kind of figuring out like my own sort of place in that, um, I, I definitely am part of the, yeah, <laughs> I definitely am part of the spiritual world. I definitely am, you know, as I'm about to say this, I feel my insights go like, oh, like, no, <laughs> not quite, but I am part of the wellness world in a way, because what I do is very much about a person's wholeness. And you could call that wellness, I suppose, but I'm, I, I don't think I love the word wellness in general, that that feels very, that feels like a binary word. Well is good, you know? Um, yep. <laughs> and, and what you're saying about like these posts that are like, I have the answer that feels like it's in service to the, like, be good, mm. be good, be well. I have the, the answer to that. And the thing is, I believe that that person has a answer. Yes. Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think any of us have the answer. Oh, uh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. so true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, especially in, in the last year and a half, we've had so many people have had to really scramble to figure out like, how do I bring my business online? Is Instagram the way to do that? And Instagram really loves uh, sound bites. Instagram really loves and encourages ideas that aren't complex or really nuanced. You know, we have the character limit. Uh, we want the infographics with the, with the, with the little list. We want the list and you know, as creators, we want to feel like, oh, I want to make a complete list that is going to draw people in and let them know about my work. And so while on one hand, I feel so frustrated with that space regularly, I also can see we're all just trying our best and we need to learn how to kind of hold each other accountable and be like, I see, I see your sweet heart. I see you trying and being like, I have the magic elixir is not, is not really helping. It's not really in service. Um, and I find myself much more interested in people who are, who allow some room for, I don't know if this is the answer, but it is for me. Yeah. This is one answer for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels so much more supportive to me as well. And I know the idea of like, take what works for you and what resonates and leave what doesn't can also be used to like justify being problematic, et cetera. But in some ways that also feels really true to like, even from this podcast and like things that we talk about, it's like, you don't have to take all of this in as your own truth. Like it's all good. Really. If something resonates with you, take it. And if something doesn't, then you can just leave that. It doesn't have to be true. What we're saying mm-hmm. doesn't have to be true for mm-hmm. you because it's true for me or for you. Yeah. And that's a little less Instagram bitey shareable. Yeah. It's a little less snappy. Uh-huh. Less snappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, yeah. Capitalism encourages us to have the answers and to know yes. and 
capitalism is part of wellness world, healing world, spiritual world. And that intersection feels a little scary sometimes. And also it feels like this is the world we live in and that's just part of it and is necessary. And it feels complicated. It is. And there's, there's another piece here that I'm just becoming sort of aware of that I'd like to share that's, um, that's sort of around like, this is one of the first times in recent human history that healers and root workers and people who channel people who witches can actually exist without persecution. And so there is this, like, I am really rooting for the spiritual slash wellness community to be able to do this in an ethical way, in a really beautiful way, because there is such a history of silencing and oppression and, you know, frankly, genocide in this, in this realm. Um, and I really, I really love this question and this line of thinking because it does feel so complex. It does feel so, so nuanced. And I also think, you know, I wonder what comes after Instagram. We are not the only ones that feel this way about these, no. these industries. Oh God, no. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm, I sometimes when I'm getting into a weird space, which happens often around my work and monetary exchange for that work, Mm -hmm. um, I just feel a little bit like, well, what would be better and more helpful? Should I just quit and go like work at Amazon? Would that be, would that make the world better in some way? Would that somehow be better than the work I do? And no, I don't think that at all. But I think, yeah, the monetization and capitalism and being as ethical as possible under capitalism just feels tricky sometimes. And I, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's so tricky living under capitalism, you know, there isn't, there isn't room for ethics under capitalism. And so what we are doing right now is really trying to like carve out a space where we can do that in a way where we can still survive and have our needs met and also be able to be equitable. And that is still, that is, that is something that I've been trying to figure out for years and I still don't have any answers. Years. so much experimenting and all that didn't work. And like, it's, it's, it's really rough. (laughs) And we have the trauma of capitalism in our bodies too. And that is so real to reckon with bringing it back to somatics. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just this idea floating around. It's like really in here as part of our lived experience. And it dictates the way that we are able to make decisions. You know, who are we making our decisions for? in service of living under capitalism, in service to ourselves, in service to our community. And when I think you're right, I think when we don't name it as like, this is something that's living in our bodies, it can kind of, just like we were talking about those archetypes that kind of start driving or running the show. If we don't name it or have an awareness of it, it can just really drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't want that. I don't want to try to you can be here and you're here and that's yes. okay. But I uh-huh. don't want you to be in charge of where yeah. we're going. <laughs> like that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're mentioning archetypes, that's making me think about uh, 
something I think would be really nice to close out our conversation with as I was reading, I was checking out your Instagram today um, before our conversation and you wrote this whole beautiful post about the Empress archetype and pleasure. And yeah, I thought maybe we could close by talking a little bit about pleasure and what are your thoughts right now around pleasure and working with the Empress archetype and what does that mean to you? Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Um, The Empress archetype can be so, so it can be a really beautiful invitation into sort of like fecundity and beauty and just like sinking into pleasure and eating the fruit and, and also sort of like not having an awareness of time passing. You're just sort of, if anything, you're just sort of noticing where the sun is in the sky. And that's lovely. Yeah. It's so luscious to think about. But realistically, that might be really confronting for a lot of us. That might be like, oh, I do not have the space for that. I do not have the ability to let myself receive that sort of like abundant, oh, I have so much time, that pleasure. I don't have that. And when we're confronted with this archetype, it can really, and this is the beauty of this archetype, we can really notice, oh, where are the places in me that I'm feeling like, Ooh, I don't have that. And part of me wants it or, Ooh, I'm really harshly rejecting that. So what's going on? There's a question there. Yeah. And within that, I think that right now, a big part of that, a big part of that piece. And I do a monthly archetypal magic that I send out through my newsletter. And in that whole piece, I talked a lot about how, when we talk about pleasure currently, we think about it looking a certain way. That's very lavish and very hedonistic. And that's, I love that shit. I love that shit so much. That's amazing. I love that shit too. (laughs) Oh my God. And I'm not there right now. Like I, I wouldn't be able to enjoy that space right now. A lot of us are in a place right now after, after going through the collective trauma of the last year and a half, we're still sort of figuring out like, okay, can I hang out with people? We're, we're noticing how much we have changed in this last year and a half. And can I bring this new self that's maybe a little bit deeper or maybe a little bit wider, maybe a little bit more expansive? Can I bring that self to community spaces? We're really learning about how we fit in societally after this year and a half. And I don't think that we, and I'm going to go back to not having any answers again, I don't think we have any answers for this yet because I also don't think that this is over. Yeah. I think that we are still moving through this and figuring this out. And so the, the, the thing that I wrote in that piece is really kind of figuring out what pleasure looks like for you as an individual. It might not look like going to the party. It might not look like the lavish. Sometimes absolutely it looks like that for me. And other times it's like the only thing that I can really do is to drink a glass of water really slowly and feel the water trickle down my throat. And that's maybe all you have space for. And if that's it, that's okay. Yeah. So we can bring our awareness to these small acts. They don't have to cost any money. They don't have to, that we don't have to spend a lot of time with. We can grow these small acts of pleasure and of being with ourselves And pretty soon that becomes a practice that in itself is a somatic practice. Mm -hmm. You're connecting with yourself. And when we bring our awareness to that slowing down and feeling the water move down our throats, 
it grows. Our awareness grows with the thing that we're paying attention to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel so connected to that idea. That's so much of like pleasure practice and weaving pleasure in my life for me is not like seeking out something. I mean, sometimes, yeah, specifically like connecting with something that will be pleasurable, but so much more often it's just opening to the pleasure that is available in this moment. Like you were saying with drinking Mm -hmm. water or actually Mm -hmm. just like tasting my food or yeah. I'm walking to like go somewhere I actually just feel the sun on my skin and I'm like fuck that feels really good yeah I don't have to do anything extra it's just like attuning my awareness and yes. noticing and no no I feel like for me that also helps me yeah carve more pathways of pleasure being possible and mm-hmm. pleasure being available and that feels healing too of like yeah. making it a more pleasurable and more safe space in my own body that I have more and more access to. Yes. Yes. Really allowing for that space to continue to grow. I love that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. something you wrote in your post was like, find the thing that makes you feel good or even neutral. And I appreciate yes. that so much about the neutrality. Sometimes when I lead a grounding meditation or something, I'll have people try and find somewhere in their body that feels good or pleasurable or even neutral um, mm-hmm. sometimes that's not available to us but usually yeah. have, like our toe might feel neutral or like the tip of yep. our nose might feel neutral and that's yep. good enough you know that uh-huh. if that's all you can find amazing like being in a body is fucking hard and it's not mm-hmm. pleasurable all the time and a lot of the time it's difficult and it hurts and so yeah same same thing trying to find that spot I use the elbow as an example a lot mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) I find that I don't think about my elbow a lot unless I'm needing a neutral place. And then for myself and my own practice, I'll go to that. I'll go to the elbow. We can, we can just be there. That's enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that can feel like a refuge when a lot of the rest of our body does not feel good or neutral. That can be a place to like, okay, I can rest some awareness here and that's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Stevie, thank you so much for this conversation. I appreciate your work so much. And you're such a Gemini rising. I could talk <laughs> <to> you a lot. <laughs> this was so much fun. I've so enjoyed going back and forth. And yeah, I feel like I could stay here for another couple hours. <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Can I ask you the last question I always ask on this show? Yes. Yes. Okay. What does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? I was thinking about this and and then decided, wait, let's just see what kind of comes up in the moment when this question is asked. And I think in sort of true Gemini rising fashion, I think living open is really being able to be free enough to have curiosity lead, curiosity for yourself, your inner world, other people's inner worlds, the outer world, our subconscious dreams, just curiosity to travel in any direction that feels interesting to us Mm -hmm. while being rooted enough that we don't lose ourselves in it. Yeah. That's such a core value for me. That idea of letting curiosity lead, like curiosity is a core value to me. So I I love that. Will you tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you, work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Weaverandrose.com is my website. Weaver as in someone that weaves and rose is in the flower. 
Uh, my Instagram, I'm not on a ton right now, but my Instagram handle is uh, stevie.joy.lee, L-E-I-G-H. Um, those are the two, those are the two main platforms. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.